Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, what's up? This is Sharks Across Hollywood. I'm Andrew, and with me, as always, just like my Garth, is the Reverend Samuel Mance. Hey, baby. How you doing? There you go. Awkward intros aside, we are going to talk about (laughs) a quintessential 80s viewing experience this week. A quintessential Sharks Across Hollywood experience, too. If you've been a longtime listener, you know that we love this movie, and we will bring it up time and time again. Have we talked about this movie a lot? Oh, yeah. Dude, we brought it up a bunch. I just did my marathon listening <laughs> to every episode we ever did, and we bring Rad up a lot. That's funny, because I was thinking about a bunch of the movies that we've done in the past, and I'm like, oh, hey, we should do... Oh, wait, we already did that. Fuck. And I'm like, God, what did I say about that movie back when we first started doing this when I had no idea what the hell I was doing? <laughs> It worries me. It honestly worries me. I'm like, Forgetting Sarah Marshall is one of my favorites, and I can't imagine I did very well explaining what that movie was about or what it meant to me or whatever. (laughs) Clearly, you don't go back and listen to the episodes like I do. I do occasionally, but no, I listen to them when I edit them, so I I get enough. I'm good. Yeah, I can see (laughs) that. I, I hate to listen to the ones I edited, too. This week, we're talking about Rad. Fuck yes. This movie is fucking rad. So This is the most appropriately titled movie we've ever done. I want to get right into it because this movie starts out with a banger. Not with a bang, but it does that too. But a banger, like a fucking awesome song. In my opinion, the best opening credit sequence in cinema history. God damn it. <laughs> Nobody, you can, you can argue with me all you want, but nope. I get so happy every time I hear that song and see this. <laughs> See these fucking idiots riding their bikes all over the place? I love the opening credits sequence, but I would never try and defend it as being of high quality. Nope, it's it's the best. Especially that <laughs> freeze frame with the with the title. Just Oh yeah, with yeah. the two with the two guys kind of crossing in the air like like two penises about to touch. And you get to see some kick ass tricks, man. I don't know how my yes, kids you are do. like, you can I can do that. And I'm like, try it, have fun. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> With BMX bandits, the tricks are not up to this level. Not even close. <laughs> this is high quality BMX trickery. So the song, by the way, is Break the Ice by a guy named John Farnham, who apparently was a teen heartthrob in the 60s. Uh, John Farnham did multiple songs on this soundtrack, didn't he? He did three. He did Break the Ice, Thunder in Your Heart, and the love theme that I don't really like very much, so I can't even remember the name of it. Which one of those is your favorite? I think you've said in that, that Thunder in Your Heart is the one you'd go for. Yeah, Thunder in Your Heart is definitely my preferred, but Break the Ice is great, too. Because there's no wrong answer choosing between those two songs. Exactly. (laughs) And I find myself going and listening to this without even watching the movie because those two songs are so good. Now, you go and listen to Eye of the Tiger. You hear that on the radio like a hundred fucking times a day, so who cares? Hearts on Fire is an okay song, but it's not as fun to listen to. It's getting there because it has that 80s cheese thing going for it, and You're the Best is kind of a boring song when it's not (laughs) accompanied by a karate tournament. I have not tried that one without Ralph Macchio present. Try it and tell me what you think because I find it eh. Just like the rest of this, the rest of Rad's soundtrack is kind of like, but in in, in the uh, movie it's good. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I do love Send Me an Angel. We all love Send Me an Angel, which is the only song that anybody actually like legitimately knows from this movie. True. <laughs> it's by a band called Real Talk and I don't know if they've done anything else ever. Well, I know it was, a, it was an 80s hit. I don't know if it was an 80s hit before or after Rad or if Rad had anything to do with it, but it it was an 80s hit. I remember it from the 80s. Oh, also, before we really break into it here, so Rocky Four gets a lot of shit for being the most mo- 
montage heavy movie of the 80s <laughs> rad is almost all montage the <laughs> the opening credits is a montage right after the opening credits they're delivering papers that's a montage then we get like a couple minutes of them like doing stuff and then i'm calling and then that it's right back to a montage yeah, the, of the, the race the, with the, the cop yeah the bike the bike chase thing that's that counts as I, a montage i don't know if i would call that a montage because because a montage is like racing through time by showing little snippets of action these are linear progressions that follow him in real time for the most part so i don't know that i would call those montages they definitely have montage vibes specifically because of the rock and 80s soundtrack but it's not small snippets of separate events leading forward through a jump in time it's a linear progression in real time through a series of actions so if anything i'd call them an action sequence or a chase sequence maybe i just want i wanted to be the i want wanted to be that douche today and i looked up the definition for montage oh shit you gonna school me now it says so we're both right i think the process (laughs) the process or technique of selecting editing and piecing together separate selections of film to form a continuous whole so essentially every movie you've ever seen is a montage all right in the technical sense yes all right so so in that sense you're absolutely right this movie is one long montage but i think we both know what we're talking about we're talking about the urban dictionary definition of montage not <laughs> yeah. the webster's dictionary definition of montage so oh dude you know what i forgot to do right before we started i should have said okay dudes let's walk this sucker again with the fucking obscure references i just watched is this actually from rad <laughs> yes or? so i'll set the scene for you the intro is over this movie will never reach the highs of that fucking intro so don't <laughs> don't think that the movie's going to be as good as that three and a half fucking minutes <laughs> Uh, or four minutes, I guess. For me, it, it doesn't. Like, the rest of the movie's great, but that scene makes me so fucking happy. It's just a gradual ass slide to the end. Just, <laughs> yeah. But then, right right after you're done with that, you think, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna meet the characters now. No, we get a newspaper delivery scene, which is just more bike riding, with a less cool song. I do, <laughs> I do like the score for this stuff that do 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 i always i always hum that in my head all the fucking time for years i've done that when i was a kid this i mean don't get me wrong that that opening the opening credits montage is fantastic but this was my shit when i was a kid because i was right at that right age this came out in 86 so it hit video stores in 87 i was eight years old you know oh perfect yep it was perfect timing for me i fucking loved this movie and that scene in particular was like i want to be a paper boy now like that's that was all i wanted after watching this movie and then of course you know i found out that uh it's not quite as exciting as all it's that. not you know what i try i helped my friend deliver papers once and i threw a paper and it fell apart it really made me sad <laughs> <laughs> But right before, like we we see the we th- see the three characters, we see Luke, Becky, I think her name is, and Crew, whose real name is Christopher, which we learn later. Sort of, we don't really learn it; it's just kind of said in an offhand way. I could not tell you whether or not you're right if my life depended on it. I know I, he's, I know Crew is Crew, and that's it. I don't know the other two. <laughs> Right before they all drive away, Crew looks at the rest of them and says, Okay, dudes, let's walk this sucker. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I said, I just watched this movie and I forgot all about that. And then we get that then we get the awesome fucking paper delivery scene. I guess I was too preoccupied with the uh with that ridiculous red gel they slapped over the top of the lens <laughs> to try and replicate Dawn. <laughs> 
Yeah, my, and it moves with the fucking camera and everything. When my when when I was watching this with the kids, they're like, I I want to like, are they delivering papers? I'm like, yeah, that's what that's their job. They they make money doing that. And they're like, can I do that? I'm like, yeah, you have to wake up super early though. And they're like, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, that was what put me off. Let's touch on a few points in that little thing, though, because I did I made made a couple made a couple notes. I I did mention the score because again, the score is cool. It's yes, so it simple is. and kind of dopey, but <laughs> it's fun. It's a perfect '80s kids movie score. Yes, yes. One of my favorite parts, though, in that fu- in that thing, according to you, it's not a montage. I'll... In the paper delivery thing. <laughs> so was every '80s mom this fucking oblivious to everything? Because Luke lands right on top of the car. <laughs> And the kids are like, holy shit. And mom's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's back in the car house and she's just looking over over the top of the kids' heads. No seatbelts, by the way. No, no. (laughs) No, you crazy? The 80s. Luke fucking rolls over the car off the hood and crashes to the ground and she does not... It doesn't even occur to her that anything has happened. She has to- she has totally been doing morning drinking since like four o'clock. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking. But then Luke gets up point, and says, it's "Like time to get the kids to daycare." <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you don't shut up, I'm going to tell your father tonight. That was her thing. And then Luke <laughs> stands up and says, "Ooh, gnarly." Luke is kind of a creep. We'll we'll get to that in a minute. Becky, the girl, doesn't really get anything too exciting. But crew gets lifted up by a garbage can. Like the, these garbage men have the can hooked up. You can tell this is like planned. This is like the Paperboy movie that we should have gotten. <laughs> yes. And they fuck yes. He's leaning on this garbage can, and it's it's really him doing it. And you can see that kind of look on his face where he's like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" And that was real because I guess <laughs> he he wasn't really he was he was kind of scared. Yeah. All I could think when I'm watching that scene is, "Wow, that is just a lawsuit waiting to happen, isn't it?" Oh yeah. Oh, you couldn't make this movie today. Fuck no. Uh, and then we meet Mr. Timmer, played by Mr. Hand, of course, whose name I can never remember. What do I know him from? I know him from all kinds of shit. He is all over the place. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's right. Yes. Like I said, Mr. Hand. Mr. Hand? Yeah, that was his name. (laughs) Fast Times. Really? Yeah. It's been a long time. I haven't seen Fast Times in like 20 years. Oh, he was Poop Deck and Popeye. holy fuck they just released that on blu-ray not too long ago i i I gotta pick that up and rewatch it it's probably not good it's not it's really 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 not (laughs) i have these childhood memories yeah so did i so did i and then they got fucking destroyed because you know why not and uh uh bluto is played by uh, the beast raban <laughs> it makes me want to go back and watch it because holy shit i actually enjoyed dune which is fucking weird i guess he's a reliable paper boy but he keeps on pissing people off the first paper he throws it lands in some dude's like garden and he's like the porch how many times do i gotta tell you the porch but he knocks mr timmer's coffee and donuts over and mr timmer that's it mr. fuck timmer. You, i know you just said it but i had forgotten and i was like <laughs> like i was wanted to say something about him but i couldn't remember his fucking name <laughs> and i didn't want to call him mr hand like i got that reference and he says a line that i can i i feel in my bones every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> the world would be Same. a lot better off without kids <laughs> <laughs> not really i like kids i like kids a lot teenagers on the other hand fuck them yeah it's, it's kind of like the world would be a lot, lot better off without kids who aren't mine <laughs> 
Yeah, kind of. Kids are fucking assholes sometimes. <laughs> the funny thing about the introduction of Mr. Timmer is that they introduce him like he's going to be the antagonist of the story. And, and they set him up throughout the first half of the movie as if he absolutely should be the antagonist of the story. However, they pull a sneaky on you. They do. And and for me, it, lo- it kind of looked to me like he was just kind of going to be, well, at least in that little scene, just another just another neighbor who is annoyed by him. Like, nothing really comes of this this paper delivery thing except for later on a little bit. Yeah, it's just like, like what we learn is we learn that Crew has sort of set a goal for himself to get all of his papers delivered by 8.15, but he keeps missing it, like, just barely. And uh... But what a positive shithead this kid is. <laughs> because <laughs> that lady miss gray is her name and she's like she's like you only missed it by five minutes crew he's like yeah i know but when i get it i'm gonna shoot for 710 is it seven seven ten yes yes seven fifteen i thought it was when... i thought it was eight for some reason no he says seven ten ah god damn it eight isn't early enough to deliver fucking newspapers what the hell's wrong yeah that's you? a that's a good point by eight o'clock they should already be in school i mean they're fucking high schoolers so yeah, come on that's exactly where we move on to what more do you want some some preppy college douche is like what more do you want harvard ucla blah 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 i'm like <laughs> fuck this guy and you know you'd think like none of these high schoolers like do anything like this movie doesn't play like it's kind of like the karate kid only it's not the douchey um preppy kid he does come back later for just like to, a second just to yeah. talk shit about crew <laughs> for like 12 seconds yeah yeah and it and it amounts to nothing except for you know yep. uh, one of them i think luke jumps over him and he's like that is one juvenile asshole and then becky and crew come right behind him and knock the rest of the papers out of his hand and you kind of cheer a little bit because he's a douche <laughs> Yeah, I know. I definitely did. This is where we get Luke and his creepy nonsense. Okay? So this is the oh, 80s. Yes. So they're walking in school and these neither of these three actors are fucking high school age. They're all in their fucking 20s. Mid-20s. Oh, for sure. Bill Allen was like 23 at the time. Luke walks by this chick and pinches her ass. It's supposed to be comedy. Welcome to the 80s, man. And then we meet Katie. Sexual assault is it, funny. It's hilarious, isn't it? And then like later on, he's like, ooh, it's the king in his court. I'll take the court. Mm, both of them. Right in front of his girl friend mind you uh yeah and she elbows him for it but not hard enough in my opinion honestly in the 80s for the 80s he was pretty tame i know it's not like revenge of the nerds lately yeah yeah yeah. it's not like that (laughs) not to justify it at all he's not jerking off to some girl's bath you know in the fucking peephole or whatever i can't watch those movies anymore oh that's porky's you're thinking of oh porky's is like the gold standard of rape cultured comedy oh that's right that is porky's shit thanks bob clark he made these two quintessential christmas classics classics i say christmas classics one's about a serial killer it's fine well the funny thing is is black christmas is like pretty empowering you know it is it is actually yeah like if you look at it in the context of slasher movies it's like really progressive like at no point does anybody even suggest that olivia Husay's character shouldn't consider the abortion you know i mean the guy who does is clearly the asshole of the piece <laughs> that's right oh fuck it's been too long since we covered that i, I haven't watched that movie since then well you got that sweet ass shout factory blu-ray do. now don't you yeah and i fucking that's a movie you can watch anytime it doesn't have to be christmas fuck yeah good movie's a good movie so we're just talking about empowering women so let's shit on one for a second katie is annoying and not at all attractive so i don't know what crew sees in her he's an attractive charismatic dude what is what's the deal i don't know if i'd say he's attractive
attractive. He's charismatic. I think I, maybe he guy. is attractive. I don't know. He's not my type. He's got but, a bit uh, of a smarmy little smile on him, but he's he he's got a little bit of a grown up in a in too small a town thing going on. If you know what I mean. <laughs> maybe his family trees are growing a little too close together. <laughs> You think he's inbred? Just a teensy bit, like, you know, fifth cousins or something like that. I'm not well, I'm not trying to shit on the guy. I love this movie. I love thank <laughs> I love you, Bill Allen, for giving us Rad. I mean I mean I know he didn't helmet or anything, but you know, like Rad is a fucking awesome movie. I would love to the day I die. Yeah, he looks he looks like he might be a little Alabama. He does. Have you seen like some of his photos recently? He's like dressed like a cowboy and shit, so you might be right. Oh shit. Hey, we we actually get to meet the real villain of the movie. Yes. In the next scene. And boy, does he ever come across as oh the real villain of the movie. It is. Holy shit. Yeah, Duke Best of Mongoose, which I'm actually impressed that Mongoose allowed themselves to be portrayed as the villains in this movie. That's kind of interesting. I guarantee the reason that happened is because BMX was kind of on the rise and they were like, this movie could really this movie could really push BMX, you know, as as a sport. And so we'll, you know, we'll profit based on that. But, uh, uh, apparently they did because you could after this movie came out there was you couldn't find a bmx bike in any store anywhere because kids bought them all yeah and but you know like at the at the same time i also think that most likely because bmx was still such a new thing i'm thinking the mongoose guys didn't have that you know like diehard corporate savvy that every major business has nowadays where they're like nope uh villains don't you know villains can't use an iphone and uh you know (laughs) blah 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 like all this brand protection shit they were just like no let's get our name featured prominently in this movie it'll be all over the fucking place you know and uh <laughs> it would never fucking happen today again you couldn't make this movie today just wouldn't be possible no i i'm waiting for it though there's got to be like and then you mentioned like oh we gotta we gotta like bring awareness to this because maybe we can get a cobra kai style like sequel series or something i think the the key to it is getting some really interesting creative people behind it getting enough of the original cast and crew back together and uh i mean like did did you watch on the the special features on the vinegar syndrome blu-ray did you watch the uh the interview with oh fuck what's his name hal needham the director hal, yeah hal needham did you watch that interview the one that's supposed to be part of a fucking rad documentary that's coming out that never came out yeah damn it <laughs> yeah i mean he is still clearly <laughs> a devotee of uh of rad and he, he uh, would be if he wasn't dead oh oh is he dead yeah. i didn't know that <laughs> i think he died in like 2017 oh wow so they must have been working on that for a long time holy shit yeah that that, uh, that rad documentary is probably never coming out at this point well who knows oh, he you died know, in if... 2013 holy shit what the fuck seriously <laughs> yeah how old is this documentary <laughs> i know i didn't even think about that fuck because i thought he died in 2017 until i just looked at it right now holy shit when did we get those blu-rays 2019 maybe 2020 yeah it was 2020 jeez wow okay well i guess that documentary is never fucking coming out ever <laughs> Jesus. Well, hey, maybe if uh, maybe if the Mondo Blu-ray does well, you know, because it's going to be a mass market release. It's not going to be a limited edition like the Vinegar Syndrome. The Vinegar Syndrome one was like for the hardcore fans only. For us this super one, fucking nerds that... <laughs> yeah, exactly. This one is going to, you know, this is going to be on your best buy in Walmart shelves probably. Might not sell huge there, but, you know, it'll be there. No, this is going to be one of those movies that people haven't thought about in years and then they see it on the shelf. They're like, holy shit. And then they'll buy it. It'll be those people. 
You know, uh, it's funny you should mention those people because uh, while I was watching this for the first time with my kids, I basically like forced them. I was like, look, you've got to watch the first 15 minutes of this. If you don't like it after that or no, wait a minute, maybe I tricked them into it. I think I talked about it on the podcast before. Anyway, the point is I got all my kids to watch it with me the first time and they all loved it. They didn't want to watch it initially, but they all ended up loving it. But before the opening credits were even over, my my youngest is telling me how he has a teacher who he actually does does you know bike stunts and stuff like he did them in assemblies and stuff like that you know uh bike tricks and whatnot he's like i wonder if my teacher ever heard of rad and he goes to school <laughs> and he comes back he comes back the next weekend and he's like hey i told my te- i asked my teacher about rad he said that was the movie that got him into bmxing yeah that's a story you'll probably hear a lot from people like our age yeah, that are so, into that kind of thing so not only was he aware of rad of course but he was a huge fucking fan <laughs> and how could you not be this is honestly this is the kind of movie you need right now the world kind of sucks but this movie makes you feel good <laughs> it does it's such a fun movie and that's the thing about it is like i could never justify this movie like the writing's not great no the acting is middle of the road it's fine the bike action <laughs> is good the bike action is really good that's because hal but, needham is a stuntman and knew how to shoot that kind of shit <laughs> yeah exactly Exactly. He was a stuntman. He knew what he wanted to see on screen. He surrounded himself with professionals. You know, they got all the BMX pros at that time working on the movie and shit. You definitely get the impression from when they're introducing all the all the bice, all the challengers and shit. You're like, oh, yeah, these guys definitely look like they're not actors. Oh, yeah. No, there's a couple of them. A couple of them are like, hey, yeah, I'm cool. Then other ones are like, hi, yeah, there's a camera. In front of my face. Fucking... <laughs> yeah, they, they clearly do not know what to do with that camera on them but you know they ride good so but that's the thing about this movie it's not it's not like it's brilliantly made or anything it's not going to win any academy awards but it's just a bucket of fun to watch it's so much fun you can't not have fun watching this movie i'm sorry you unless you are just the most cynical self-important cannot laugh piece of shit and (laughs) mind you i say that as a man with three teenagers who watched it and loved it three teenagers that's nuts man so if you're talking if you're talking about like cynical full of their own shit people you don't get more cynical full of your own shit than three teenagers okay and they fucking loved it just it's just a happy movie it is it's it's so much fun you can't not enjoy this movie there's like a little bit of drama we do talk about how his dad is dead and all that but you know that's just kind of what happened in the 80s dead parent syndrome was rampant in all these movies well you couldn't have divorce because then one of them had to be the bad guy right or it had to be all about the divorce and getting them back together so just kill him so mrs gray shows up oh wait no maybe i should maybe we should talk about what the fuck he's talking about because we we went off on a tangent that actually made sense oh my god we can actually keep that whole thing uh the odds i know so duke best of mongoose bicycles he's like this big ceo guy or something but his idea is that bmx needed their own super bowl which he'll actually say later uh and he created hell track and hell track is going to be in this little town of cochran which in some state in america even though it was shot in canada didn't they say illinois did they say illinois i I don't don't remember for sure i feel like they said illinois but i couldn't swear to it i don't remember hearing it but maybe maybe you caught something that i didn't who who the fuck knows at this point Um, or i could just be making it up because 
Cochran, Indiana sounds right. <laughs> it does, you know? kind of. Mrs. Gray, the lady from the beginning of the movie, or from the end of the paper delivery scene, and she's like, you only missed it by five minutes. She's like, she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, I don't want to put a damper on things, but how are our kids going to feel when they can't race this, when they can't do this race, even though it's in their own backyard? Because BMX is the only sport that exists, just like in Karate Kid, Karate is the only sport that exists, but also <laughs> but also soccer. You want to simplify. That, that's the thing about kids' movies. With kids' movies, you want to pare it back and pare it back and pare it back to just the basics. You know, you don't want the world to have too much life. You want to, you want to focus <laughs> just on the story and just on what's happening. So simplify it down. If your movie's about lacrosse, then lacrosse is the school sport. And they'll make fun of another sport. Guarantee it. Exactly. Except for here, they don't make fun of shit because BMX is the only thing that fucking exists anywhere. <laughs> Because BMX was struggling so hard for recognition that they couldn't afford to even acknowledge other sports. <laughs> what are the odds that in this small town, several kids are like, I I ride BMX. I'm really good at this. <laughs> well, is it several or is it just these three? Well, we never meet any of the other ones, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I am I think it might just be those three. I don't know if anybody else actually rides BMX. And I mean, there are definitely other kids who have BMX bikes, <laughs> but, you know, who are actually into it. it th- this isn't BMX bandits. Let's put it that way. Fucking BMX bandits. You didn't make it that far in the movie, but the movie culminates with all the kids in town getting together and... And by the way, Mongoose sponsored that one too. Of course. The se- the second male lead is named Goose. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyway, it culminates with like 300 kids on BMXs coming after these uh, these criminals to try and rescue Nicole Kidman. And that that movie came out like two or three years before this movie. It was a rough watch, but but ultimately, ultimately fun and made me salivate for the quality level that Rad brought to the table. (laughs) He comes up with a compromise here and he's like, all right, fine. Fuck it. How about we hold a qualifying race and any local? He says it any local local youth that can qualify he'll put up and then his little assistant goes he mouths $20,000 and Duke is like fuck that (laughs) (laughs) the look on his face is delightful too like he really sells it he's like no fucking way so he puts up $10,000 for any local kid who can qualify $10,000 in 1986 money that's your college education right there oh boy we'll get to the college thing here in a minute but we have to acknowledge the weird hangout that these kids have I mean I guess it's a small town so it makes sense it's like a lumber yard but there's a shed there yeah it's like it, it's like it used to be the office for the lumber yard or something i don't know i worked in a i worked in a door factory over in tacoma for a while and lumber yards are kind of like that they have like as they expand they just abandon certain sections so there's just abandoned buildings out there this is in fucking tacoma where real estate is like <laughs> sold by the square inch you know it's like seattle adjacent so it's where everybody's trying to move and uh yeah and they just have these big tracks of abandoned buildings. That's weird. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it seems like Cochrane would be like a logging town, even though we don't see anybody actually doing any work except for at the restaurant. Now, I will say this was 20 years ago. Probably all those abandoned buildings have been plowed under and had new shit put up in their place. But 20 years ago, and even 20 years ago, Tacoma real estate was fucking ridiculous expensive. I can imagine. I went to Tacoma once. It sucked. I didn't stay. Yeah, it's not a great town if you didn't grow up there. I'm not going to lie, but... Uh, 
but I'll always have a warm spot in my heart for it, much like Nico Case. We meet our we meet our second sponsor. For, no, maybe not the second sponsor. There's been like a thousand already. Another <laughs> sponsor of this movie because it shows up more than once. Kicks. Kicks. Kid tested, Crunchy mother approved. Oh fuck! I stepped on you. You you gave the real line, and I just <laughs> like rattled off, off some bullshit. The stuff that's on. Want to do box. it again? Kid tested, mother approved. <laughs> That was totally fucking natural. It was. Kid tested, mother approved. That better? I didn't grow up in a small town. I grew up in a small city, and I played in the lumberyard, so I kind of get it. But the lumberyard was a block away from my house. I got to say, this seems like a sizable lumberyard for such a small town. That's because it's but a like, maybe But maybe town. that's their whole industry. Yeah. yeah, it seems like that way. And then they're talking about Bart Taylor, who is apparently the big guy, and he's played by Bart. Bart Connor. Good Lord. Connor. Connor, that was it. Did you watch the interview with him? I think I did a, when I first got it, which it's been a while. Because I guess he was, I don't know anything about him, but he, he said he was a gymnast, except yes. he always pronounces it gymnast. Well, that's funny because he's in that movie Peaceful Warrior, which is about a gymnast who I think loses legs or something. I don't know. And he's in Stick It, which is about gymnastics, and he plays himself in all of those things. <laughs> So there you go. I've I've not seen any of them. I only know him from Rad. For all I knew, he actually was a BMX superstar. Nope, sure wasn't. He was a gymnastics guy. Seems like a nice guy in all the interviews that I've seen him do. They did. Yeah, like he a, definitely does. They did like a table read recently, or not a table read, like a Zoom meeting in 2020. Oh, really? Thing. Yeah, I think. And maybe I made that up. Maybe it was older. I don't fucking know. But yeah, we'll have to I'll have to fact check myself on that one. Oh, okay. But they're like, oh, what do you think? This guy's pretty good. What do you think, Crew? And Crew's like, he has to say the name of the movie it's gonna take a radical miracle to beat this guy yeah i i do like that they said that that's sort of the moment is um well not that moment there is that moment but then it's immediately followed well after the um after the lumberyard chase by the schoolyard moment with Cruz's <laughs> yeah. little sister in which that little ginger fuck talks about bart taylor like everyone knows about him and so like crew is in competition with him yeah direct and i'm like that <laughs> makes no fucking sense i guess he's I, he's probably just being a dick to the girl because she thinks her brother's the best and they have a super cute relationship like they actually like each other which is nice it is kind of adorable like she's 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 pretty cute and then she you know she's like got a little foul mouth on her <laughs> and she you know she just kicks this little kid in the shins when he he totally deserved it. he's a total fucking dick this kid fuck him <laughs> now, granted the character the actor may be fine i have nothing i'm, I'm not talking yeah. shit about the actor i'm just talking about the character so suffice to say yeah. you just like immediately are on her side i don't want to brush over the the lumberyard no chase. no no we got to go back to that this song called get strange is playing and again i don't think it's a very good song but it works within the confines of the movie so it's fine yeah all the music works with works in this movie just perfectly like even the middle of the road stuff or even the kind of bad stuff it's just like yeah but like it's an 80s movie so it's perfect yeah there we had this conversation on our 500 days of summer episode that nobody's ever going to hear i'm like i don't like this music really but within this movie and that that's kind of the thing about a lot of movies it's like i'm not going to sit down and listen to most of this shit they pick music for movies for a reason it that's works. why i don't understand this massive rise in people buying soundtracks it's like don't get me wrong some soundtracks are fantastic but a lot of people are buying soundtracks 
soundtracks for movies that the soundtrack isn't that good outside of the movie, you know? Like Friday the 13th Part 3. It's like, yeah, that soundtrack's great for Friday the 13th Part 3. I don't want to sit down and listen to the score on a record, though. No, like, that sounds awful. Yeah, that's just... <laughs> that sounds like a completely unenjoyable experience. I mean, if you're a collector, like that Ninja Turtles record that I got from... It's the first movie's score, which I still have not fucking listened to and I've had it for like two years. Is that the one with the the sweet art on the on the cover yeah oh i see i wasn't sure if you'd gotten that or not i've i've seen it pop up on instagram a few times i follow the people who put it out but uh yeah i wasn't sure if i wasn't sure if you'd actually gotten yourself a copy or not i got the I first you... one i didn't get the second one. Oh, okay which is a oh oh you didn't get the ninja turtles 2 one no oh okay see that that was the one that i i sent you the link to i know and i'm ninja like turtles fuck 2. i can't i can't i can't do it i want to but i shouldn't and i didn't it's got ninja rap on it i know <laughs> <laughs> and it just looks pretty so fuck anyway it does have a gorgeous cover like that that cover art is really nice i know that's uh, that's the only way they'll get people to buy physical media these days is they have to fucking spice it up because you don't need it no technically you don't this isn't the fucking 90s anymore you don't or the that 80s. cover art is arguably better than the movie oh that movie's fucking great come on we will get there i have no doubt that it's great as a bad movie but oh, as yeah. a good movie it's not great i'm sorry no <laughs> Okay, uh, Ninja Rap is the greatest cinematic song in history, okay? God damn it. Oh, my God. No. I, I do love me some fucking Ninja Rap, though. Can't do it. Can't do it. I there. could do it. I could do it for fun. I could do it to laugh at it, but I don't think I could enjoy that movie sincerely. There are so many insanely wrong decisions in that movie. It's great. <laughs> And I love it to death. I know you do. Yeah. Fuck. Ninja Turtles, they're, that, that, that's a thing. It'll never die in my heart. Anyways, uh, so what do you want to say about this fucking Lumberyard Chase, aside from that song that's not very good? Well, the Lumberyard Chase <laughs> is such an it's such an 80s thing because it's so patently ridiculous. Yeah, how the fuck is he riding his bike up those logs? <laughs> it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, there's like, just I know no how he's doing way. it, but in the movie, in the universe, how is he doing that? Yeah, there's no, there's no fucking way. At the same time it's like you're totally on board because you just kind of put yourself in the headspace of an eight-year-old when you watch this movie at least that's what i do yeah i i'm really good at suspending my disbelief because i'm like it's a fucking movie it's not real it's okay i'm good at suspending my dis no i'm good at embracing my disbelief in this in this case i'm just like <laughs> look at it he's so clearly riding on boards yeah exactly that always that's one of those things when i was a kid i'm like what the fuck why is he doing that why does it look like, like if, he's, that? <laughs> if he's supposed to be riding over logs the bike would be going up and down but no it's just smooth smooth riding over the top of this log pile and then they get to the end and it's like i think the first time the first time you're watching it if you're not watching it as a child but if you're watching it as an adult you get to the end and you're like is this an antagonistic relationship or are they buddies like i sincerely can't tell i can't tell either like i think okay so we get to the end of the chase right and well i mean the beginning they're like oh who's he going for and he's like oh it's fine i'll bait him and then he does and we get that fun chase and it is a lot of fun but like you get you get the sense that he's doing his job in the sense that they're not supposed to be there so he has to chase them yeah but like he doesn't like he's trying to catch him but he doesn't want to catch him yeah <laughs> and they're trying to get away but they want him to know that they're there like they don't want because it's like, like 
if, if like he, he does was, catch them, he has to do something about it. <laughs> but he, but he doesn't need to catch them because he's you know he understands that they're just having fun. Yeah, it's it's a very weird relationship between yeah. these two. And then there's that moment where Crew loses him, and he's kind of looking around, and then Crew pops up at the top on top of the log pile, <laughs> like ha ha, fucking gotcha. And then he meets up with his friends on the road, and it's over. And they they like wave to each other and thumbs up and shit. I'm like <laughs> all right, cool. And the the cops like finger guns. Yeah. Oh, he does. does he actually do finger guns? Well, he does one finger gun. Okay. And then we got our first mention of ass sliding. <laughs> it's like, we're going ass sliding. You want to come? And he's like, no, I'm going to save my ass sliding for somebody special. Oh, what? Like Katie? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe. I'm like, no, not Katie. Like, how Katie. the fuck? How the fuck are they not talking about sex? Like, how how are they not talking about ass fucking? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, They're high school students. They've got to save their virginity. It's the 80s. So is that what it was supposed to be? Really? Ass sliding is just just a metaphor for fucking? <laughs> so when him and Christian... I mean, later come on! on. <laughs> so later when him and Christian are going down the water slide thing, they are, they're actually fucking. I'll tell you what. At no point do him and Luke go ass sliding together. That is the true. 80s, and that is wrong. Yeah. Don't want, no. <laughs> But he has to go pick up his sister, and then we've already kind of covered what happens there. Yeah. but And that's when we meet her, and we are like, this kid, all right, maybe not all kids need to die. Maybe <coughs> the world would be better without just most kids. What does she say? She, oh, she's like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to punch your lights out. And then her teacher comes up. It's like, nice little girls don't talk that way. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> and then she just fucking kicks him right in the shins, just not once, like seven times. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, it's it's cut to be, she's obviously not really kicking him, so it, it looks like shit. It looks like she's just petting him. But we're, we're supposed to suspend our disbelief at this point and accept that she's kicking him in his shins. Yeah. And then Crew shows up and pulls her off of him. And, <laughs> and this is where I wrote down, like, he has a super smug-ass smile, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just like, see ya. Yeah. He says, bye, Miss Carson. Her name is Miss Carson. Oh, Miss Carson. Yeah. I don't know how I'm picking up all these fucking names. Maybe it's because I've been watching much, this since I was five years old. You're much better with names than I am. Like, realizing again, I'm like, fuck, dude, this is a, another movie that I, my aunt and uncle, I think, had taped, and I took it home, and I watched it a thousand times, and also that same VHS tape had, I think it was the GoBots movie, but I'm not sure. See, I've only seen this movie four times. I saw it once in 1987 when my mom rented it for me on vhs i remember it distinct because i had gotten lice at school and they would not let me come back until every single egg had been picked out of my hair so my mother rented me rad and i sat in front of the tv while she went through every fucking hair on my head <laughs> mother's love oh <laughs> oh god i don't know how she did it but she did and i watched rad and i fucking loved it and then i got the blu-ray i watched it once by myself i watched it once with my kids and i watched it once yesterday that's crazy you've only seen it four times oh man i've I only bought... seen it four times but i love it absolutely love it i had that vhs tape and then it kind of disappeared i guess and then i rented it all the fucking time from the video store that it was that this was one of those movies i remember specifically one day my sister was made by my mom to take me to the video store or her and her boyfriend and I got Rocky 5 and I got Rad and I was <laughs> what I just love the idea of you like a five year old kid getting Rocky 5 I was like 10 at the time I think <laughs> Ish. in my mind you're five i get these two movies and then we get home and i was about to pop rad in and then her boyfriend goes you might want to watch rocky first because you're gonna want a little oh you know you're you might want to watch rad second because you're gonna need a little pick-me-up after you watch rocky 
<laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I remember that. Dude was looking out for you. That was a weird, a weirdly specific story that I remember. Well, hey, I have my life story and you have that. Your life story is specific? My lice. Oh, your lice story. story. Good lord. <laughs> sorry. Fuck. This is, this is good. We meet Talia Shire and I said, and here's Talia Shire doing the only job she knew how in the 80s. <laughs> shitting on a man's dreams. <laughs> Uh, and then reluctantly accepting it when he decided to go ahead with them anyway yeah well okay so in the first rocky movie she was okay with it because she was new and he just got his chance and in rocky 2 she's like hey stop that shit the doctor said you shouldn't fight stop it and then eventually she's like just win and he's like yay i can train and be cool in rocky 3 she was the motivation she was the one who's like you get your shit together you fucking do this and she <laughs> that's when like oh adrian's a fucking badass and then, and then in, in rocky 4 it's right back to she's like don't and I totally agree with her. I'm like, no, she was absolutely right. <laughs> I'm like, do in Rocky not. Force, she was right. Yes. And then she sh- then she shows up and hearts on fire plays and we get the killer training <laughs> montage and he kicks ass. And then in Rocky mm. five, it's the only time where he's like, yeah, I'm not going to fight anymore. And then he ends up fighting at the end because it's a fucking Rocky movie and he can't not. And then after that, I, she's dead. So it doesn't matter anymore. Wasn't the eighties anymore. So <laughs> that's true. I think she, I think she co-produced this movie because if you look at the beginning, one of the production companies involved is called like Talia film i do believe that when i was watching that thing she did mention that it was her, what were you watching that zoom meeting thing oh yeah, oh she said that it was her husband and her production company that had something to do with it too is she still alive yeah okay so adrian's dead but talia shire's still alive. yeah 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 they right. they killed her off in the movie you, you still haven't watched that i one, still haven't i still haven't watched rocky balboa yet you did make it through five though no i haven't watched i haven't watched five yet God, get your shit together you have my fancy steel book and everything i'm say, I w- i'm trying to watch it with <laughs> storm but then he went and watched it without me and so now i'm kind of trying to wait until he'll watch it with me again you just you just gotta t- get a fucking cardboard cutout or a fucking <laughs> sex doll or something and watch movies with that <laughs> that's what i need that's what I, you know what i think i've given up on uh having a relationship like just <laughs> in the last two weeks i i just realized i don't i don't want a relationship anymore like i don't you want a movie i don't buddy. give a shit about having a relationship i'm i'm thinking it might be time to just throw down on a real doll do it man do it and just like go Lars and the real girl with it that's creepy but do it the only thing is is I can never fuck it if I get it I can't fuck it <laughs> why not no no because like that's the whole thing is like if I get it <laughs> you'll fall in love with it you just can't it has to, it has to be my it has to become my friend like if I'm gonna get it I gotta get weird with it and it's not weird to fuck the it's not weird to stick your dick in the real doll that's inevitable what's weird is to never stick your dick in the real doll <laughs> and people come over like what's that that's oh, such my friend it's fine yeah just like introduce introduce it maybe the thing to do maybe the thing to do is to get a dude oh my god oh my god this is reminding me it's not lars and the real girl we we want to go obscure and weird right there's this movie called love object oh god i'm aware of that i i i I tried to watch it back in the Mm. 90s when it first came out i think it's from the 90s uh late 90s early 2000s or yeah okay okay so yeah i i I tried to watch it back then but it wasn't good (laughs) well it wasn't good but it also was wasn't pervy enough for me i was looking for something to jerk off to oh yeah and it was yes. like oh no this is an actual like like psychological it, horror movie it seems like it should be that way and then yeah it turns into they're like being really serious about it yeah so yeah no i'm i am aware of its existence though <laughs> I, I i have a copy so no shit Did, yeah. is that a horror pack special fuck no i found it at a pawn shop <laughs> oh for real yeah that's probably a hard find that's a movie that we should talk about when we're doing a kid movie <laughs> 
I enjoyed it, though. That movie's fucked up. So, we're at home. I mean, we're obviously at home, but in the movie, we're at home. Crew and Wes and and Adrian, because she's her character name is mom so again adrian's job is to shit on fucking men's dreams so crew says hey i'm gonna well actually he's like hey wes get the fuck out of here i'm gonna talk to mom she's like no i'm 10 years old i'm staying he's like all right just shut up and she's like crew's gonna try to qualify (laughs) for hell track because that's what sisters do and then he shoves her in the garbage can which always made me laugh (laughs) (laughs) she's like i'm gonna croak in here and he's kind of a jerk because big brothers are also like that yeah he's like you're gonna croak in there if you don't especially the 80s and she's like, isn't that the same day as your SATs? And he's like, yeah. She's like, no, you have to go to college. You have to take your SATs. You're not going to give that up for a bicycle race. I'm like, okay, they're the SATs. It's not college. So what's your fucking problem? Well, the SATs are part of the prerequisite for, you know, like like you use your SAT score to apply to colleges. So, But he doesn't only have one chance and then it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is, you know, she obviously would have known about this. She's like, oh, you have a chance to fucking qualify and win $100,000 and a new car? Let's do that. I mean, 10 Gs just for qualifying. Yeah, and if I qualify, I get $10,000. There you go. Again, keeping in mind, that's 10 Gs in 1986 money. <laughs> yeah. Back uh, when minimum wage was 250 So, she's dumb. Well, she's a mom, you know. It's like she, she wants him to take the high road. I can appreciate that. I was a single mom wants <laughs> i really i really can't this is one of those parent decisions in movies that i'm like oh they just threw that in there for conflict because no yeah parent, no parent in their right mind would say no to that especially not in a small town yeah oh, in the 80s fuck forget about it i mean maybe if she was really just a fucking wet blanket or something which she kind of is she doesn't have much of a character outside well of that though at the same time in the 80s if you were if you were following your dreams that was always seen as a bad thing <laughs> by parents in true. 80s yeah. movies that so. is true that is absolutely true but on the bright side if you were following your dreams in an 80s movie and it was seen as a bad thing by your parents it meant you'd succeed which was a very bad lesson to teach to children (laughs) because you had a lot of parents very reasonably trying to dissuade their children from following their stupid fucking dreams (laughs) and the kids who grew up on 80s movies were like that means i can't lose And now they're losers, like me. And me. Yay! So we get our first glimpse of the, I guess it's like a park, because there's like a swimming pool there and shit, but this is where all all their magic bike ramps are. Yeah, so like these kids, well, okay, so I guess this is the point at which we see that there's more than just those three who are involved in the local BMX culture. Luke is being weird again, he's like, ooh, baby, I'm bad, because he always says some dumb shit like that every time he's on screen. And then he does this cheesy little ramp trick, and he's like, woo! And Crew's trying to be awesome and do a backflip. You know, I had this thought, speaking of Luke and his stupid fucking lines. Luke is the, um, ah, fuck, what's that guy's name from Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad? Andrew Lawrence? Oh, oh, no, oh, nah, nah, the the big jockey douche, right? No, no, the skinny guy, the the skinny guy who comes in. Oh, in amp? The, in the full amp. Yeah, yeah. he's he's <laughs> the amp of this show. Because he's just, he's always coming in with, like, these ridiculous one-liners. Like, everything he says has to be some kind of stupid attack tempted a catchphrase but a really <laughs> shitty one that's what i thought about every time he'd come in and start chiming in with his catchphrases i was like yeah, yeah it's him it's amp, amp is so much more lovable though like oh amp is amp is <laughs> amp is adorable but uh yeah <laughs> i love that you brought that up that makes me happy i have done yeah. my job i can die happy now that's how much of a bad influence you are you <laughs> son of a bitch oh man and and then more more catchphrases <laughs> becky and luke are like oh we're, we'll meet you at the parade oh no she's becky says like you've 
been trying all day. Give up. Thank you, encouraging friends. And then he's like, he's like, oh, I'm going to stay and practice a little bit longer. And they're like, you sure? And he's like, yeah, I can get it if I can keep from getting dizzy. And then Luke goes, you're always dizzy, whatever the hell that means. Again, Luke <laughs> trying to be clever and nose diving horribly. <laughs> then the next scene is the parade. And I wrote down, this is where the, this is where the mustache twirling actually begins. <laughs> Because you know when you meet when you meet Duke, he's gonna be the bad guy. But like you don't know to what extent. Like he's very because him and Mr. Timmer are talking and they're like whispering to each other. They're like, it's gonna lead us to a lot of profit. Yes, yes, it is. It's going to lead us. <laughs> And it's so funny. Uh, that is such a perfect way to put it to mustache twirling. Because that's absolutely what Duke would be doing if he had a fucking mustache. Uh, and I laugh every time I see those two. Just particularly that scene because it's so fucking funny. <laughs> and they have another one later at the dance too that's kind of goofy like that. <laughs> Where they're all getting together drinking at the punch bowl and shit. Yes. So we meet a lot of characters in this scene, actually. We meet, of course, Bart Taylor. Who do we start with? I mean, I mean, who is the first character we meet? Is it Bart? I don't or know. is I, it um I think it's is it Aunt Becky? I think it's a wide shot of the three the five people in that Jeep, the three guys and the two girls. So oh, okay. So I we meet Bart and the twins. Bart Taylor and Rod and Rex. The Cobra twins. The Reynolds twins? I believe. What are the name of those Cobra twins? They're like Xandar and in, Zerf Queen. I don't know what the in, fuck their names were. Remember what? remember from G.I. Joe? Oh, fuck no. On the Cobra team, there were these two twins who these guys fucking remind me of <laughs> so hard. Like, they look just like them. They look like the real-life embodiment of the Cobra twins. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't remember what their names <laughs> were, but they were both X names. Dude, I have not watched fucking G.I. Joe in so long. I don't remember. I used to watch it all the time. It was like my second favorite after He-Man, but anyway, these two dudes remind me of them. Interesting fact, do you know do you know what uh, what they do now? No, no, I I never. They took grew the time. up, uh, obviously, you know, uh, as people and do. they they became a screenwriting duo. And you know what they wrote? Lethal Weapon? Oh no, they were mercenaries. They were, oh they wrote The Conjuring. They wrote The Conjuring. Holy fucking shit! I could not believe it. Yeah, like one of the best horror movies of the last ten years, and they wrote it. And they also wrote one of the worst. It seems like well, one of the ones that got very poorly reviewed. <laughs> the Turning well, produced- with Finn wolfhard they wrote oh, the really? screenplay apparently i, I haven't yeah. seen that one that one actually looked good that's what i thought too but it has a 3.8 on imdb that's the saban one right yeah yeah i was i was really looking forward to that well now i'm looking forward to it for other reasons oh my good lord they also they wrote, also wrote uh house of wax just and the I, Reaping. that is just what i was gonna go to i was gonna house of wax yeah both of which i i really enjoyed i loved both of those house of wax and the reaping i thought were really fun oh my god what the fuck man uh there's this disney channel original movie starring all three of the lawrence brothers called jumping ship they wrote that (laughs) and 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 the first one that is a sequel to a movie called horse sense really yes what the hell maybe the sequel is like they got the based on characters credit for maybe i don't know well now i'm gonna now i'm gonna look before we continue here horse sense written by they wrote for baywatch jumping ship only one written by it is written by them no shit huh or chad hayes i guess whichever at least one of them what are their names their their names are like chad and like chet or something like you know some some sadistic fucking parent who thought it would be hilarious to name both their twins chad and carrie oh care okay they're so they're both c names i have i have a friend who had twins 
named named him Xander and Xavier. It's like fuck you. Well, you know what? Our kids are named that like that too. We call Bonnie Bonnie, but her real name is Lavana. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I didn't even think about that until right now. Oh my now. god! Fuck. See, like that that was one of my favorite things about him. It's like, oh, okay, they're twins, but they don't have identical names. <laughs> like, I could actually remember their names separately because they they're not so close together that I'll never fucking be able to remember which is which. Well, I don't know which one's Rod and which one's Rex, so it doesn't really matter because they're literally the same character. Yes, they are. And by the way, if you watch their dynamic, they are totally fucking each other. <laughs> oh yes, those two are absolutely fucking each other. D- that dancing scene. Oh, that woman is just an excuse. <laughs> so we'll we'll we will get there in a minute. Hold later on. on. <laughs> later on, when they're DP in her. They're not looking into her eyes, I guarantee you. So we we also meet Christian, played by Lori Laughlin, who, as you all know, is in as is she still in jail? I don't know. But she got put in jail. I think jail. she just got out. Okay. <laughs> do you yeah. know how do you know how uninteresting she is to me? <laughs> just elucidate i don't care like she's pretty bill allen had a little charisma she has none not even his aunt becky like i'm fucking i don't care she's she's pretty she's like she's a solid you know high high number whatever your scale is (laughs) you know She's solidly pretty. She's very pretty. But yeah, I agree. She doesn't have charisma like Bill Allen does. No, she is. There's a lot of misogyny going on here. Uh, no, in the 80s? <laughs> Bart is driving driving his little, his, his whatever car in the parade. And he stops the parade dead to get out of the car and go like, <laughs> I can't tell if he's like whispering in her ear or trying to kiss her neck or cheek or something whatever it is she ain't having it yeah she rolls up the window and then he walks back and he's like oh yeah i'm I'm still cool even though he did sign autographs of some chicks on the way to the to talking to christian he gets back in the car and they're like hey did you give did you give her a little aa and he's like aa and he opens his mouth really really wide when he says that (laughs) and i i I immediately thought of mike tv he's like you should open your mouth a little wider when you speak but then he's like aa and then they're like attitude adjustment at the same time because they're twins and and that's what they do. Oh, these two douchebags. And then, okay, so now we're spending a lot of time on this parade, but still. My kids, my kids were like, is this what a parade is lo- was like back in the 80s? <laughs> they were thoroughly underwhelmed. Um, that's what parades are like now. <laughs> parades are just kind of like that. I think the only parade they've ever actually seen is like the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade. Oh, so the one good the parade Macy's in the Thanksgiving world. Day parade, excuse me. Yeah, the one interesting parade ever. Yeah. Yeah. The only parade that was ever impressive. <laughs> so this lady needs to get through because she left a cake in the oven at home. I don't understand. And she's panicking because she's stuck behind a barricade. And it's un-American. <laughs> it's un-American. And then Crew goes, oh, it's okay, lady. I'll help you out. She's like, oh, and she see, keeps saying this. You're such a nice boy. I guarantee if that character is still alive, she's an anti-masker. <laughs> and she's spreading COVID like a... <laughs> like a fucking super spreader yes he moves the fucking barricade and i'm like it was that hard huh all he does is say hey stop here's the barricade and she drives her car right in front of the parade of course and then him and christian lock eyes and they they fall in love immediately i guess well he falls in love but he doesn't know about her which is why he like runs away like a little bitch later oh it's so cute Instead and, of taking her home and nailing her like he should. And then the cop shows up. And this is another one of those things where it's like he wants to catch him, but he doesn't really. And he looks at
looks at Christian and goes, hey, you see a kid on a bike? And she's like, yeah, lots of them. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. Okay, now it, it, I'm assuming this is your favorite scene. We're going to, we're going to, oh, we're, we're almost at the dance. Okay. Crew tries showing off for Katie first and Katie and is unimpressed. Kate, Katie could not give less of a shit. <laughs> yeah. And then guess what? Katie never shows up again. And good. You know what? Good. Fuck her. She was an uninteresting character to begin with. She's not that good looking. Lori Laughlin's hotter and uh, crew could do better. Well, yeah. And like, she doesn't even show up at the dance going like, Ooh, maybe I do like him now because he did something cool and everybody's paying attention. Yeah. That this is a, a very sloppily written script. Even I'm, though I'm, she said she would be there, but whatever. Fuck her. So now yeah. we're getting to the dance the best scene of the movie tell me about the dance <laughs> the villain the villains are all getting drunk and crew is just kind of hanging out outside on his bike showing off for people i guess well and let's not forget bart is out strutting his stuff on the dance floor and stealing the show dancing with his lady as are the twins in matching fucking these <laughs> star these trek outfits <laughs> that again make them look like the twins from cobra they have these big v they look like they're straight out of the limited tv series v uh <laughs> alien outfits on oh god it's just they're so fucking ridiculous. and and they are totally eye fucking each other over this girl as they're dancing together and, the uh, sexual chemistry between these two <laughs> brothers is upsetting to watch i wrote down um some of the worst fucking dancing i have ever seen in my life yes. it is bad <laughs> you would think that as a gymnast, uh, Bart would be a better dancer. <laughs> he is not. This dance scene is awkward and it's amazing. And they're supposed to be stealing the show. Yeah. You know, like everybody's <laughs> clearing the dance floor for them. Yeah. Move aside and take that nerd with you is what one of the guys <laughs> says. So Timmer turns to Duke and goes, is there anything that kid can't do? And I said, I actually said this <laughs> out loud by myself. I said, yeah, dance. <laughs> <laughs> because i'm oh, so fuck. clever but one positive that chick in the tiger stripe fucking thing she is super hot as my friend steve used to say wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating crackers he her name i i really like her name her real name is oh her her character name is foxy of course it which is. i thought it was weird because her name is foxy and then the girl who is not wearing tiger stripes is named tiger but, <laughs> I never caught that before. Because <laughs> Bart actually says to her, come on, Tiger. <laughs> uh, but her name is Kelly McQuiggan, which is an awesome name. Oh, that's a pretty, that is a pretty great 80s name. Yeah, that's very good. 80s. Christian has to put on a little show for everybody. And... Well, you know, let's, let's not sell Cruise Cruise contribution short. He was, while all this dancing is going on inside, Cruise out in the parking lot, entertaining the people who are outside smoking. And they're, they're cheering him on and stuff. And he's kind of, he's kind of having fun, just being dumb and, Having a moment, you know, like like showing off in the way that a that a high schooler would if they could do those things. Yep. Which I imagine some can. I couldn't. Yes. I was I was a yes. fatty. And, <laughs> and then Christian like challenges him. Essentially, she like jumps over his bike and turns into a dude. In the few shots where you can actually <laughs> see a face view of her, you know, like it, it it's always far away, so you can't quite make it out. But it looks like it's fucking Freddie Mercury. <laughs> I don't know who did his who did her uh, bike stunts, but I know Eddie Fiola 
is the guy who did crew uh-huh. and if he's the guy from the end he's one of the professional bikers he's the one with the spiky helmet oh really yeah that's him yep yeah because he's sort of a standout he uh that spiky helmet there's you know like it, it it stands out and he was like the not the coordinator oh god he but he had it he he was like an overseer of all the bmx stuff too oh okay movie. okay and apparently paul i keep on wanting to call him paul allen because there's this fucking christian singer named paul allen bill allen was kind of blonde so he had to dye his hair to match eddie fiola <laughs> no kidding yeah do you want to talk about this this scene because it's it's i feel like it's beautiful and awful all at the same time because <laughs> Because obviously Eddie Fiola can kind of, and it looks, it's a dude and he's got the proper physique to be doing that. But every time it's like a wide shot of Christian and him doing stuff, Christian gains like 30 pounds. And has a terrible it's, wig on. <laughs> it's beautiful, man. Like, honestly, I don't even want to try to describe this because, like, you just have to watch it, man. You just got to you just gotta go out there and get yourself a copy. I mean, come on. The Steelbook will be out by the time this episode drops. Get yourself a copy and watch this because this scene is, <laughs> honestly, this scene would be worth it, worth buying the movie for by itself. Like, it's so delightfully bad. It's so beautifully, catastrophically stupid. <laughs> But they're still doing some really awesome stuff. But they are. Yeah, like that's the thing. It's like they actually are doing some really cool stuff. There's some great bike stunts. It's it's, it's great so until ridiculous. it has to be them on screen doing it. And then it looks <laughs> fucking awful. Like there's that part where you see him in the close-up shot of the wheel. Like he starts doing that pogoing thing. And then uh-huh. it cuts to them together in the wide shot. And he's they're obviously like on a track of some kind. And he like uh-huh. he's kind of like half bouncing trying to make it look like he's doing the trick (laughs) it just looks really bad it's so funny like seriously like it if nothing else youtube this scene youtube the bicycle dance from rad oh because yeah it's at least fucking beautiful like i said you're not exactly getting for the most part the epic thing you're promised by that intro <laughs> no no <laughs> like some no, of it like tries like the last race like the the qualifying race and the and the final race are kind of there oh I, man. I, could, I could just i could just i could just do like an a b repeat on this and just leave it on in the background no problem yeah it's a fun movie i keep i I smile every time i watch it just because it's so fun (laughs) and then you know crew does that thing where he's like oh shit i'm out of here and i still don't really understand why he panics he panics because she's too hot crew is underestimating himself let's talk about the diner scene really quick we learn that crew also works at the diner bart comes in with both of the girls i don't know where the fucking twins are now once again let me emphasize minimum wage at this point is like 250 an (laughs) hour hour so that's what crew is making for this job and bart comes in and he's like so pops are we gonna get a fucking table and then the mayor puts a minimum five dollar purchase sign on the on the biker kids tables and they're like this is stupid and then they leave yeah it turns out the mayor's a bit of a bitch he's kind of a dickhead and then crew says hi to the girls he's like hi hi and then he sees bart and he's like hi and then bart says nothing to him it's so (laughs) mean pops the hugest boater for bart i feel bad for him because he's like obviously a fan and bart's just being a dick yeah bart's a little full of himself at this point and uh you know so like i'm i'm glad we get that turn by the end 
the movie because yeah bart's a bit of a dick he's not terribly sympathetic no not not at all the bike park again crew is still trying to nail this fucking backflip but hey christian's there this time to help him along and she gives him the little bit of advice he needs because that's what a woman's role in a sports movie is and she suggests hey take the mattresses out and he's like are you serious and she's like no guts no glory he tries it again falls on his ass and she walks up to him and i always loved this line forever she's like you over rotated and he just looks at her no shit (laughs) and i'm thinking about thinking to her like why do you like him he's kind of a jerk But obviously he finally gets it and then, okay, so now here's another montage with the not as exciting John Farnham song because it's the love song thing and we see the ass sliding and blah. I don't even want to go into ass sliding for the <laughs> listeners. Like if you're not aware of what ass sliding is, you just get to make it up for yourself. Yep. And then he's like, if I try to qualify, will you be there? I'm like you've known her for one day. And <laughs> yeah. Already... Like you met her last night <laughs> you've hung out with her for two hours. Yep. And then we're back at the diner. We're back at the diner and mostly mostly this stuff is just jokes there's no crew walks in he's a little late bob is his boss i guess or maybe it's not his boss i don't even know if the fuck he's just a cook bob's just a fucking cook at the place bob's <laughs> just a dick that's what bob is <laughs> he's like you're late and crew which gives the shittiest fucking excuse for being late ever sorry blob i don't have a watch okay we'll get to the blob <laughs> thing in a second but you don't have a watch you need to get your fucking job on time you ass welcome to the 80s man god but then he calls bob blob because he's fat and bob's like bob not blob smart ass and it's really weird it should be emphasized that crew is mouthing along with yeah. him the whole time <laughs> so apparently this is a common back and forth between <laughs> the two of them and then the most canadian person in the world comes up to them because this was shot in canada and it's, <laughs> it's this guy and he goes hey cruiser how's it going guy <laughs> <laughs> You don't even remember that. I'm going to have to watch out for it next time. (laughs) Sounds like Jeffrey Dahmer. And we forge mom's signature and and in order to, because he's 17. We can't forget that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't forge mom's signature. Well, his little sister does. His little sister. What's his little sister's name again? It's it's something weird. Wesley. Wesley. That's it. I knew it was something Speaking of Will Wheaton, there you go. And now it's qualifying day because he forged, she forged his, the, the mom's signature for him. And another banger of a fucking song. This scene is goddamn beautiful. It's the qual qualifying race scene and it's so good i found myself like i've i've like i said i've watched this movie four times i've watched it three times in the last year (laughs) and i found myself like clenching my fists and like balling up my feet the whole time like in all the races i'm just like tense with anticipation like as he's as he's barreling towards the finish line like come on crew come on okay that's really funny because i had that exact same thing i'm like oh fuck i'm anxious right now i'm watching the final race and i'm like dude i just watched this two days ago like i know how it comes out <laughs> this is not a mystery and i am on the edge of my seat it's great we're we're invested movie. that's what a movie <laughs> should do that's awesome i i appreciate that but thunder in your heart is a great fucking song and thunder in your heart is the shit my favorite part about this is that crew never wins a race technically if if you come in first the rules are if you come in first you have to that you just automatically move on but if you come in like second or third or fourth whatever you move on to the next race and crew comes in third and second twice i think i think it's like i think it's like second third and fourth 
move on to the next heat. Yeah. But you, but like uh, whoever comes in first place automatically qualifies. Right, right. And like if you accrue enough points, then you get into the um you get into the uh you qualify for for hell track. Hell track. So is it? Although they never go into how the points are awarded. No, not at all. Which is a good way to keep it vague and yet still make it plausible. Yes. So strong scripting in that one respect. So crew qualifies and he's the only local kid who qualifies. But there's a few funny bits where he's just super tired and he's like, it's so easy. It's a joke. <laughs> just he's ready. He's ready to die because, you know, he's racing a bunch of professionals. Can you imagine doing three of those races in one day? Like, Ooh. holy fuck. I can't imagine doing one of those races. But even if you were on the level like Jesus, that third one, you're not giving your best. You can't possibly be giving your best in that third race. But he does because he comes in second place in that race. I know. Like, that's his top finishing race. It's like, come the fuck on. He kicks ass because he's fucking determination, man. That's no, you know what it is? It's heart. because it's because all the champions have already qualified. Well, that's probably true, but still. <laughs> that was the 12th race or the something like that. Was that was the 12th the race. But then they also say something about being eliminated and they're like, each race will get harder and harder as more and more people are eliminated or lesser <laughs> experienced riders are eliminated or something. Okay, so he qualifies and then who the fuck shows up? Adrian. Mom shows up to shit on him again she's like god damn it i thought you were gonna take your sats and i'm like god damn it why do you not know where your daughter is why would she go with him to take his sats she's there with him okay no like that is a symptom of the 80s man like in the 80s kids just disappeared on a weekend Uh, you're right because i did the same fucking thing but just kids were just like i'm going to the parks like okay the end come back when the street lights come on but then she's like you know this is self-destructive and he's like um no it's not because i started out as one in a thousand now i'm one in 20 and to give that up that's self-destructive and he's right as with uh as with all 80 sports movies uh the protagonist's logic is flawless and in that case it actually is i would i will 100 <laughs> give that to him i just love how like absolutely inconsequential this confrontation is she walks in she's like i'm mad at you he's like well here's why i did it she's like well don't do it again okay conversation over and that's it he doesn't get grounded he doesn't have to go through anything there are zero consequences <laughs> to his doing this and guess who's out of the movie until the final race could it be mom yeah yeah not a she is so fucking unimportant okay so we're back at the diner the diner provides nothing but comedy bad comedy in a lot of cases <laughs> well it's funny though okay god damn it because here crew walks in and well i mean before crew walks in the really canadian guy and luke are like looking for him hey crew hey crew and then luke opens up the uh like a pot and he's like is he in here nope he's not in there because ah, he's funny <laughs> Uh, but then crew walks in and they're like hey here he is the man of the hour blah the yeah the bad dude and then the, the canadian guy goes hey let's hear it for our rad dude yeah uh this scene is hard for me to watch <laughs> and then luke I'm is like you're lie. a star baby you're a star Ooh. <laughs> mostly because of luke <laughs> he's so weird it's so over the top it's like they keep dialing him up throughout the movie and then at this point they were just like crank it to 10 <laughs> Make him the most annoying person in the whole movie. (laughs) Like he thought this was going to be his star-making moment or something. He was like, oh, I got to go balls to the wall. It's good. I I enjoy it. I can't help it. Then the highest-pitched voice kid in in high school comes in and goes, you know, the BMX guy's outside and he wants to talk to you. Uh." So crew goes to talk to Duke, and I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I know that. And is interrupted on his way there by the two uh, out-of-town hotties foxy and tiger (laughs) in the most nonsensical interaction 
action in the entire movie. Yeah, it's more pointless than the mom thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like, what was the, what was the point like, of that? Why? Uh, Are they supposed yeah. to be like his big temptation? Because it lasts all of about two seconds. Yeah. And I guess later on, we do learn actually what Duke was saying. He said he was going to give him lots of money and a contract with Mongoose, I guess, if he threw the race. Because they're really invested in this Bart guy. Yeah, because they got all kinds of merchandising with Bart's face all over it. But it'll only sell if Bart wins the race. 80s villain logic yes yep because second place is no place you're off the team second place is the first loser it's in the bible so the bad guys they have to come up with a plan so this is like a this whole hell track thing is like a week-long thing but the bad guys come up with a plan and they're like hey uh guess what guys no no sponsor Uh, and he's really condescending about it his little assistant he says oh yeah no No sponsor sponsor, no no racy racy. I hate it. Oh, God. I just want to kick him in the dick every time he says that shit. <laughs> I know. And then he looks right at Crew, I think. It's not really clear which one of them he looks at. And he's like, I think you know that this is all your fault. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, wow, the 80s really, really were the era of victim blaming, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you can see Timmer kind of, he, he was eavesdropping on the conversation. He We don't know what he's thinking yet, but he's like, huh, what the fuck? Yeah, this is, this is actually kind of a perfect commentary on the 80s and why people got disillusioned with America by the 80s. Because, you know, you have these powerful corporate people writing the rules in their own favor and telling everybody, nope, America's great, anybody who who tries hard can make it and then they re- they're rewriting the rules as they go to make sure that you can't make it unless you play by their rules literally rewriting the rules that they themselves wrote i think yes exactly with no accountability there's never accountability for these characters there's never accountability for what they did they never the, the closest they get to accountability is that because bart ends up losing the final race spoiler alert crew wins i know nobody saw that coming no, right not at all but uh yeah because bart didn't win the race now they're not going to get their mer- their big merchandising deal he's still the president of mongoose bicycles yeah i don't i don't get it <laughs> like like that is the most inconsequential consequence ever like yes he did he's not going to make as much money this year as he was going to make before this all happened he's still going to make a ton of money this year he just won't make as as much that's his big punishment that's welcome america. to fucking america <laughs> yes so the good guys have to come up with a plan like they're obviously <clears throat> crew is bummed out about it because they're just like they're trying real hard to fuck him i don't think he quite he kind of knows that but they're still gonna give him the ten thousand dollars and wes comes in and she's like hey i made this ugly fucking shirt for you so you can wear it when you race it is pretty bad <laughs> Like, like the the mom coming up and being like, wow, can I get one? My kids would love it. Like, uh, no, they fucking wouldn't. Your kids would look at that and be like, what is this janky shit? (laughs) Crew takes that as an idea. He's like, we're going to use this and their $10,000 to beat them at their own game. And then another weird (laughs) scene. They make $480. Yes. (laughs) We, we see them making the shirts and it's this whole fucking, all these kids coming together and they're like, Hey, is this where I can get my homework done? Cause they're all working on these shirts. (laughs) The high-pitched voice kid walks up to the really Canadian guy, and I thought this was funny. He's like, I did a couple wrong, so it looked like you did it. Which was a pretty good line. (laughs) I mean, for an 80s for an 80s kids movie that's a pretty good line and then crew gets all weird when christian tries to touches his balls when she's measuring his inseam (laughs) 
that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's um, very confusing. Like, she didn't, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, come on, you already went ass sliding with her. Guess what? Get squirrely now. Yeah, speaking of speaking of ass sliding, there's not ass sliding again, but we get a little cute montage of them riding and be essentially playing follow the leader, but it's a dude again. And then don't they, like, ride right into the river? They jump into the river, and then they go to that fucking cabin thing again, that, that shed, and she says, you waste two cans of beans to make hot chocolate in river water, and you don't even have any milk. I don't want to skip over <laughs> the fact that they dove into the middle of the goddamn river with their bicycles. Guess what? You're not getting those bicycles back. Those bicycles just sunk to the bottom of that fucking river. Maybe they're Dip really shits. good swimmers. I don't know, but that was all I could think when I saw that scene. I was like, yep, you just lost your bike. <laughs> That's a dad thing. Right before the big race. <laughs> oh no. You don't think ahead, damn it, you kids. Yeah, that is a dad thing. That yeah. was probably my most dad <laughs> thought the whole movie. I'm an eight-year-old for 90% of this movie, and then I go right into full dad mode. I know. I understand, though. I get it. <laughs> Uh, so the ginger from the beginning, we cut to the next day. I assume it's the next day. And the ginger from the beginning wants wants a shirt. And he's like, come on, please. Everybody else has one. Now he's begging for crew merchandise instead of Bart Taylor shit. Fucking shithead. Oh, how the turntables. Did you mean to say it like that? Yeah, it's an office reference. Oh, what's the office? Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that. I'm just yes anding. <laughs> uh. Sorry, again. <laughs> <laughs> You're yes ending and I'm gr- I'm just slamming the brakes on it. Just like, nope, this is over. This is where we hear that the new rule, no racy, you have to be sponsored by a company that has at least $50,000 in sales and they have $480. <laughs> And, and they go about it in the most dickish way possible. He's like, oh, so you made, that's $480. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So you're only $49,520 off. Yeah, that was, that was pretty shitty. And then, dickhole. And then Mr. Timmer is at it again. And he's like, uh, well, Duke says like, I'm beginning to think of you as something, something. And then Mr. Timmer says, I'm <laughs> beginning to see you as something I might've stepped in. And I don't like the smell of it. <laughs> This is our first our first glimpse into the fact that Mr. Timmer, uh, Mr. Timmer might be a little bit rebellious deep down. He yeah. might have a little bit of the kid in him after all. Even though that's not really explained, but he he does a nice thing later. Mr. Timmer turns out not to be the bad guy. Yes. Crew is at the shed, though, very justifiably down and depressed and kind of given up like they like he can't fucking how do you compete with this right answer you don't because he can't yeah in the real world he does not compete with it (laughs) and she's like i thought you were a man like how shitty is that like attacking his entire identity just because he's fucking depressed like holy shit dial it back lady wow but you know what that does that gets him that gets him because the next day i assume again he's delivering papers and he makes it to he gets it done by 7 15 that's 80s movie logic oh yeah hey you know what'll help him turn that turn that frown upside down and do the right thing humiliation His girlfriend telling him that he's not a man. Yeah, yeah, that was 80s logic for you. It's like my rats. She challenged my libido. I felt obligated to defend myself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
but that's a good moment. It's it's positive and happy. He's he's in a good mood now, even though it, he's not he, going to be able to race as far as he knows. He turns it positive and happy, yeah. but I don't think it's ultimately positive and happy. Ultimately, I think it's pretty fucked up. But you know, that's me. And again, I am looking back on it with 21st century glasses, so yeah. that's not really yeah. fair. So now there's a there town there's a town meeting to kind of raise money for crew to see you know. And again, that lady pops up and she's like, "I think we need to give." And her actor speak voice is really funny. It's like we need to give a local boy a chance and he's such a nice boy that lady and her such a nice boy like she just decided she's like i am gonna commit to this i am going to deliver the shit out of this line and she just goes for it whole hog she's so sweet i have a fucking toothache it's ridiculous (laughs) oh my god and then crew and christian have to make up i guess because they didn't really have a fight and he was she was the mean one and he goes yeah and he's like hey come here and pandas and ice cream are what did it i guess i whatever i just (laughs) that she's a girl that always weirded me out like god that was fast even even as a kid watching the movie i'm like huh like no convincing necessary <laughs> just look at this poster yeah and then the, then this cute girl walks in and she's like hey crew and he's like go away i'm making out with a girl who's not quite as cute as you in my as, in my opinion but she has more money than you do small town that's true yeah and she's got a career as a as a bmxer yeah but she still races for trophies i guess so whatever what she says <laughs> i'll tell you what i was thinking about during that scene was that fucking wall of comics do you remember those oh yeah i saw i saw a bunch of that i'm like yeah that used to be a thing in gas stations. They used to just have a giant rack of comics like that. Yeah, that was awesome. I enjoyed that. Oh, the nostalgia. And they were all a dime or a quarter. Well, I wasn't alive at that point. They were like over a dollar when I got to them. Yeah, I re- I do remember <laughs> back in the days when they were like a quarter and shit like that. And I didn't get like superhero comics back in those days, but I would get like Donald Duck and, you know, Huey, Dewey and Louie and Mickey Mouse, Garfield, Mad Balls. That was one I really liked. Mad Balls are those those balls with the angry faces yep and they had a comic book <laughs> that's awesome there was a hardcore band called Madball. no kidding there is a hardcore band called Madball. yeah yeah that sounds about right for a hardcore band name i guess they're a little too bro-y for me i'm not super into the hardcore thing so you know like i guess i don't doesn't really affect me i like minor threat and the bad brains are pretty cool i haven't listened to minor threat bad brains is cool but then that's like that's 80s hardcore yeah I'm, yeah like i i are you talking about there was an 80s hardcore band named Madball? no or? I think they I think they started in the 90s sometime. Oh, okay. Well, 90s, yeah, 90s maybe. Any anything after 2000 in hardcore, I I'm not generally super big on. Yeah, they call them hardcore, but it's more more metally. It's that it's that New York hardcore, you know. Yeah, well, which I'm not super into. No, it's it's again too too broy, too that, too tough guy posturing for me, but whatever. Pandas. I, I always get grossed out when like people swap food in movies when they ugh. <laughs> But Mr. Timmer saves the day because they didn't quite raise enough money, but he bought $27,000 worth of the shirts. That's a lot of shirts. Mr. Timmer's rich, by the way. Apparently. And so since Crew is now, he may, he meets the eligibility requirements, uh, Duke tells Rod and Rex to essentially take him out. He's like, your job is to take out the kid. Bart, your job is to win. And then Bart's like, that is some bullshit. And they're really, really using that PG rating really hard. I, I think this, was this before or after PG-13? Because this, this, I thought this, this was, was rated after. PG. It is rated PG, but that, yeah, it's after PG-13. No shit. Yeah. yeah they, are, they are pushing the limits of PG. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They, there's, I wonder how many 
shits are actually in this movie. Shit was okay for PG back in those days. Like nowadays, PG is considered like G, basically. Yeah, isn't it weird? And PG thirteen is the new PG. Yeah, exactly. Like back in those days, shit was perfectly acceptable for PG because PG meant not necessarily for kids. You know, it was basically PG thirteen. So yeah, like shit was all over shit, and uh, you know, and any kind of uh, any kind of low level swearing, like not allowed on TV, but not quite you know not quite hardcore was yeah that was that was that was a thing when did they add the the one fuck rule the one fuck rule didn't start until like the 90s yeah because i I was gonna say i don't remember many pg movies having having fuck in them oh no no pg movies didn't have fuck in them until i mean after pg-13 came out or pg yeah pg-13 is after (laughs) pg-13 came out uh you could say fuck you know once you could get away with it two times sometimes in the 80s but generally generally a pg-13 movie wouldn't have it but you could have boobs in a pg-13 movie you couldn't say fuck but you could have boobs which i'm okay with i like boobs yeah fuck has under fuck has kind of had a renaissance in the last 20 years where it's like it's uh it's really gone fuck has gone mainstream i remember when i watched uh judgment night with my friend and dennis leary is in that and he's just fuck 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 <laughs> and like every second word is fuck and my friend's dad was just like there's, there's a lot of fuck in this movie <laughs> Like he was, he was genuinely disturbed by how many times they said fuck in that movie. Oh, my it's dad just... hated. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch any movies with swearing in them. Like back to the future was too much, you know? No, but that's the thing. Like these, this was the friend's dad who took me to see Dune and the warrior and the sorceress when I was five. Oh, oh that guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This guy, like he was very, very liberal with what he would let his kids watch. He's the one who rented my friend true romance when we were, you know, like we were like junior high school schoolers you know and so like he he was pretty free with what he would let what he would let us watch and even he was like wow there's a lot of fuck in this there's gotta be fuck is the best word it's my favorite it's the fucking best okay so now it's race day it's it's actually raced started cruz got his sweet outfit he does and this is the line that you screwed up the other day yes yes it is god what i wouldn't give to go ass sliding with you right now that's that's my new dating pickup line and she's like get your shit together you don't want to go ass sliding with me right now you need to fucking focus (laughs) (laughs) fair enough yes fair enough so do you think do you think that ass sliding line is gonna work because the one girl that it works on you have to marry because she inevitably knows what it is no i don't think it's gonna work i told you i don't give a shit about being in a relationship (laughs) these days so that's why that's my new pickup line it's just like (laughs) like that what's your porn name scott peterson (laughs) Oh, that's one of the best jokes in that <laughs> shitty, terrible fucking movie. I haven't seen that movie, but that line, ever since you told me that line, I fucking love it. And that's uh, that's What's-Her-Face from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, really? That that's question. right. Yeah. That's right. It's Santiago from yeah, Brooklyn yeah. Nine-Nine. That's a movie you should watch, I think, just for, for a few jokes. Like, the there's a whole thing in there about the Pancake Witch, which is a Mc- Oh, yeah, you told... Yeah, oh, did that I tell was you one that? of the other ones you told me about, it's the yeah. the McGriddle, but... So, race time. What can we say about this fucking race man well it's a pretty sweet race but like ultimately you know it's an action scene mm-hmm. you know it's it, it it's all it's all just a big chase scene so and it's oh it's so fucking like i, I white knuckled the whole goddamn thing it's pretty it's, epic the director was a stuntman mm-hmm. he knew what he wanted to see and boy this is probably the best put together scene of the whole movie i know that apparently the wall was way too high and it scared the shit out of a bunch of the writers <laughs> yeah he tells he tells that story in the interview of like 
he got one of the guys to go up and or no the the guy he he put a ladder up against the wall and then he climbed halfway up the ladder and then went down the wall and then he climbed three quarters of the way up the ladder and he went down the wall and then he got to he, he climbed almost all the way up the ladder went down the wall and then he went to the top and he went down the wall and after that he was like yeah okay i can do this and then he, he was like at that point everybody else had to do it because that guy had done it so oh apparently could, and he was the youngest you know. one there is what i heard too oh yeah that's yeah. right that's right he was the youngest one there i mean but watching it from certain angles i'm like shit i wouldn't do that other thing's fucking huge no how uh what's his name hal needham yeah is that yeah. it hal needham even said he said i went up to the top of it and i was like i wouldn't go oh yeah that. maybe on a motorcycle i might <laughs> yeah he's like but you know i'm not a bike i'm not a bike guy i do maybe do it in a motorcycle not to mention one of the most badass fucking people on the planet this fucking guy <laughs> he's like i never turned out a job i never turned out a stunt i never said no like all right and then he's got he's got that great story because the day they were going to shoot the race scene it had rained the night before <laughs> yeah. and the whole track turned to mud and he comes up with the brilliant idea <laughs> get me a couple of helicopters in here that and is he a good has, idea man i wouldn't have it's even a great that. fucking idea it's brilliant and he has the helicopters fly low you know like 20 feet in the air over this thing just back and forth back and forth and they were like yeah after they went around you know for about 15 minutes it was dry <laughs> and the guys were like all right it's good to go i love this guy i've you know i've never seen Smokey and the bandit or cannonball run it's a very specific type of entertainment and you're kind of either in or out you know it's like yeah. no within 15 minutes whether you like them uh, i know that cannonball run was one of if not the first american movie that jackie chan was ever in i forgot about that i don't know how big his part is i just heard that it's very small but everybody's part is very small in that movie oh yeah it's one of those but, huh yeah it's one of it's just this massive ensemble cast and the, of course it stars burt reynolds and dom DeLuise. but you know like it has fucking everybody <laughs> who was anybody in at the time it was made is in this movie it's ridiculous and it's crazy he only directed 10 movies i like what he says he's he's like so rad has kind of become a classic and Smokey and the bandit has sort of become a classic so i've done 10 movies i got two classics under my belt that's a great record <laughs> uh, fair enough I, I i love the positivity on that guy oh yeah he's super positive he, it was a, <laughs> it was a fun interview to watch at the same time you know like there's moments in it where you're like all right dude like dial it back a little bit you know it's like at the same time he fucking made rad leave him alone my cynical ass needs to <laughs> dial it back a little so let's get back to the race a little bit it's a pretty epic race he lands that fucking backflip oh 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 okay 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 so we need to talk about that backflip by the way yeah that is pretty sweet it's good it's one of it's one of the really good moments in terms of setup and payoff in this movie because this movie like i said writing isn't its strong suit but because they had the scene where Lori laughlin teaches him how to do the backflip then in this we get the sweet culmination of it uh yeah that's not my that's not that's not what i want to talk about okay let's talk about it so the backflip looks really cool yeah but then you have the announcer going oh my what a shortcut a backflip hulk hogan eat your heart out <laughs> I knew you had something to say about that. Okay. Hulk Hogan has never done a backflip in his fucking life. <laughs> that doesn't... Like what the fuck was he referencing? I have no idea what the fuck that guy was talking about. I might never know. I don't I don't know. Hal Needham's dead, so I can't, I can't ask him. Well, what you need to do is you need to ask the screenwriter. Who is that asshole? Sam Bernard and Jeffrey Edwards. Although you know what, I think for a for a sports color commentator, that's actually perfectly in keeping with their whole vibe. Oh no, it fucking worked. Like I love the line, but it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, eat your heart out. Well, one of the writers is an executive producer 
on Van Wilder freshman year, so he... Clearly making quality material. Yeah. Curse of the Pink Panther. The Man Who Loved Women. That is the dumbest fucking title I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, yep. All right, so never mind. Fuck those guys. What is this? Just not gay the movie? Like, come the fuck on. <laughs> okay, we're past the backflip. I'm over it now. It's fine. Crew is basically in front for most of the race because he's just that good. Because there is a oh. bunch of there's a bunch of lines. Bart but... is in front. For... Well, no, that's right. He yeah. pulls out. He pulls out in front really early, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. For like the yeah, beginning. And he, then, yeah, those last couple laps. Yeah, and then he stays in front and until um, is it one of the one of the Cobra twins who knocks him over the side there? Yeah, yeah. They they knock him out and then then they're everybody's all surprised like, oh, Crew's gonna try and fucking continue. I'm like, no shit. He just fell over. It's fine. Yeah, like what about what about the the guy in pink? That, that dude idiot fucking twice fell off. <laughs> he fell off that giant jump thing. That means he had to go all the way back to where Ooh. to where he could get back on it, and he still kept going. Of course, Cruz gonna keep going yeah there is a line about how they lap him they lap that guy yeah <laughs> poor dude <laughs> but he's got to keep going hey man determination that's what break the ice is about it's a really good race though like it really is oh man like it's an action sequence so there's only so much we can say about it other than that it's really well executed the one thing i'll say is bart lost that race intentionally if he hadn't stopped to let crew catch up because his ego was you know like he had to have an ego moment crew couldn't have caught up to him crew wouldn't no. have won but i think he wanted he wanted crew one-on-one -on -one. he wanted to prove he was better than him he did he did but if he hadn't done that okay. crew wouldn't have won oh no no but well, that's because crew is actually better time, than him at the same time you know you could argue that that sort of was him leveling the playing field after the cobra twins knocked crew out you know yep because in fairness if they hadn't done that yes crew would have won handily but like bart could have won that if he just kept going but in the end he had to, he had to take crew one-on-one -on -one. and i actually see that as bart's character arc even though it is a little bit of an ego thing for him like i mean it's definitely an ego thing oh, for yeah. him at the same time it's also him but he wants like, to actually be better than him he doesn't want to cheat exactly yeah. like like his ego is tied up in it for sure but he doesn't want a cheap victory he wants to earn his victory and you know like that's why they're able to become friends in the end of the movie you know so it's like bart does have a character already he goes from being a total douchebag to you know sort of like becoming mildly sympathetic by the end of the movie mildly he's still, yeah he's not fully sympathetic because he still he's... does knock his own teammate on his ass to make that moment happen <laughs> yeah he's still a bit of a dick but you know he's 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 making steps and then the race is over of course crew wins but he does crew does some showboating by doing that little spin move when he crosses the finish line <laughs> which is a nice a yeah. nice touch that's a nice bit of flair and then of course bart gets fired because he didn't win uh well, then bart doesn't give a shit second place second place is no place you're off the team but then he goes up to crew and he's like hey man good race you know it's the all right you're all right lou russo moment which is what i'm calling that kind of thing forever and he's like oh so you're so you got fired huh <laughs> piece of shit that that's what he's saying <laughs> in the back of his mind but he's not because crew is such a nice boy crew's a class act and then it's wesley's idea though and she's like hey now that we're official do you think there's room on the rad team and then they pick up his bike and i'm like okay what's that for there's no as if to it. be like yep now you're on the team it's official and then we get another thunder in your heart with more fucking awesome 
bike montage tricks. I gotta say, the bike stunt montages are pretty fucking sweet in this movie. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I stay, I stay for the credits yeah. just for that shit and the song. Oh yes, yeah. I watch the credits to the end. That's rad. That's the end of the fucking movie. I don't even know if we need final thoughts, but here, yeah. L- l- tell me, tell me your final thoughts on Rad. Final thoughts. This movie is fucking rad. It's the <laughs> most appropriately named movie we've done. Period. Go out and get it. The Steelbook should be dropping if it hasn't dropped already it's dropping in like a week tops yeah go get this movie i mean you have you if you're our age you've seen this movie i know you have and like, you'll love it there's you'll not, love it there's not a lot of people that haven't seen this movie but if you haven't you need to it it, it it just makes you feel good it's nice if you have any kind of of ability to enjoy something for just being pure fun watch this movie yes and then if you can tell us an easy way to get thrashing so we can do that movie also then oh, let me fuck, know i want that movie so bad <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, rad. It's kind of the best. It's rad. It is very rad. So that's it for that's it for this shit. How about some social media that we never post on because we're slack-ass pieces of shit? You know what? Go ahead and give it to them. You can follow us on everything at the Shark Pod. By the time this is out, oh, shit, we might actually have one. One for sure. Two, maybe. Episodes exclusive to the Patreon, the Friday the 13th retrospective thing that I don't really know how to describe because I'm not that smart. We'll definitely have have one out probably two just based on how many we've got in the backlog right now yeah so i'm gonna say probably there will be two patreon exclusives out by by the time this drops so for two dollars you can have access to both of those things and you'll get one a month for the next at least several months and then then we'll i'm sure we'll have something else cooking by then till the end of 2021 we're going to be dropping one a month and you can be in on it for just two bucks a month so do that go to patreon.com slash sharks across hollywood join this weird fucking club and support your favorite podcasters. And also us. <laughs> and we also still have that Audible thing going on. So, you know, the audibletrial.com slash Sharks Across Hollywood. <laughs> I'm currently listening to the year's best horror. Uh, I believe I'm listening to the 2010 book, but they got all of them. Like, they got all of them for the last, oh God, who knows how many years. I love a good horror anthology. So if you love a good horror anthology, get on there. There's a bunch of them. And you could be listening to him right now if you go to Sharks Across, or excuse me, audibletrial.com forward slash Sharks Across Hollywood. And just remember that audiobooks are reading too. Yes. Yep. If your mom asks you what you're doing, tell her you're reading. While you're like playing a video game or something. It's fine. There you go. It's okay. You're allowed to do that. I think we're done. Oh, fuck. What are we going to do now? Let's go ass sliding and be rad forever, I guess. I don't even know what the fuck that means. But hey, until next time, stay jawsome. What you need to close us out with this week is thunder in your heart you just cut straight to the chorus